Amen. Uh, thank you, Jordan. Um, uh, we just really appreciate uh, Zach Sharon and uh, excited for you, Zach, and what's next for you. And um, as um, your youth pastor for many years, I'm thankful that you're finally reading your Bible. <laughs> I love it. I love hearing it, man. It's exciting. And it is, it is, uh, it does, it changes you. Um, and it, it, it's amazing. Again, uh, as we have other weeks, I think, I guess what we're talking about most weeks ends up being the gospel, what that is. We're going to look at that today, but, um, it's, it's cool to hear. I asked people if they'd willing to share and the video Zach sends me this week is it really uh, helps illustrate and encourage us, inspire us for what Peter actually is going to talk about in second Peter. But first I have something exciting uh, to share. You may have heard actually while Jordan, I, I, I found a button that causes applause. Okay. Apparently you can do that. I just found that out as Jordan was playing. Um, I'm going to use it. This is, this is worth it for this, uh, little bit of announcement, something exciting um, for us here. Um, we, uh, we here at Hope uh, want to help people follow Jesus, find their hope and their joy in, in Jesus. And the gospel that we talk about often, all the time, is uh, just the good news of who Jesus is. And so our hope is that we often use this, this terminology that through the gospel and community and mission, right? Those kind of what we do. Um, then people, then, then our job is done. That's that's our hope is that we can we do those. So the good news that Jesus has rescued us, given us a purpose, a family, and a community. And that community would help us to grow, heal, a place to confess, to just have fun, to be ourselves, to be encouraged and to grow. And also a mission that he didn't just... Uh, rescue us and and give us a place to hang out, but he has sent us together to bring joy to our neighbors and to the world. And that we get to help change the world on King Jesus' mission. And so because of those things, I share those so you understand that like that's really what we do. And we do that by gathering to worship together on a Sunday, um, whether it's in person or online. We do it by getting in small groups. We do it by having events where we just get to know each other. We do it by serving our community, whether we're out at uh, Seca helping serve food or gathering food or working with other ministries or just people in town helping, caring for neighbors. Um, we do that all the time. And so we have traditionally worshipped together in person in, for us, a school. I say traditionally, our church started, we met for, what, six weeks in a school. So really this what we're doing right now is actually more of what we have done. But traditionally in church, we met in a school, we met at Highland Gym, where we experienced the gospel and community and mission kind of all together. We got to hear the gospel and sing about the gospel and take communion together to remember the gospel. And we get to see each other and connect to each other and also be sent out on mission and uh, hopefully hear, um, hear preaching that would send us out on mission. We, and we love those times. Um, Many of us who have grown up in a church, that is some sweet time. That's not the whole thing. We also do that gospel and community mission in our small groups. We also do it just one-on-one -on -one or just on a walk with a friend. You're going to encourage them in those things. We, we have that all these places. But one of the places that we have seen that is uh, when we got to meet in person, which is what has made uh, church lately sometimes hard for many people. Whether it's because you want to meet in person and you miss that, and there's something off you feel like about your worship, or maybe because because of um, health concerns or, or other reasons, you don't feel comfortable meeting right now, which is also okay, but that you also miss that. And so it, it can be really hard. It's been really hard for me. It's It's been tough to help start a church uh, with you and then and be looking forward to those weekly times to be at Highland School together, and then that's not happening. So as we think about that, I have been thinking a lot and, and helping ask a lot of you questions, and a lot of you have been helping me think through it, and we wanted to think through what, what are some next steps for us as we move into the fall, and we thought in April and May, there's no way by the end of the summer we'd still be doing these things, and, and it is, and this seems to be 
sort of a new normal, for, at least for a little while. And so we want to still have meaningful Sunday worship gatherings where we do connect, where we do worship through song, where everybody can hear the word of God preached, and where we will do it online. So what we're doing right now, we're going to continue to do. So if this is like, hey, I've enjoyed getting up, having coffee, sitting in my sweatpants with my dog and, um, you know, doing this together, that's great. We're going to continue this because all of us can do this together. All of us in our church, and we can invite people, and we can still be sent on mission while doing this. But there are things that we've missed, and as I've talked to many of you and, and asked that, what, what are we missing? What's the thing that, like, just fills your soul, encourages you, energizes you to, to continue to follow Jesus, to connect to people? I, I hear over and over, not Drew's, you know, great jokes and super on-point relevant preaching, which I'm sure all of you feel. It's probably weird to say that to me. I get that, but... What I'm hearing is uh, I miss singing the truths of the gospel with people it, together around and it's just seeing a person in person. And so for some of you who are willing and desire that um, and desire that still in a safe, distant, right, masked up co community, um, we want to offer that. And so that is what I'm excited to share with you. Um, we are going to start having backyard hymn sings. And so the people of Hope Community Church Heights are going to invite you into their backyards. Um, and we are going to have one of our great musicians here from, uh, from Hope Community Church in Columbia Heights lead us in singing. We're going to have old school hymn sings where we gather in a yard, we sing our favorite hymns, someone prays, maybe someone shares a little bit about what God's doing. And we get the opportunity to see one another at a distance, safely, we see each other. We're going to... Uh, uh, consider these kind of an extension of our weekly service, a, a place to still get together a few times a month. They're, we're going to ask you to strongly still consider wearing a mask, keep distance. Um, if you do have symptoms of COVID, to, to, to stay home, uh, sit some of those out. But you just bring your own chair, own snacks, maybe some stuff for the kids to do, and bring your voices because we're actually going to sing together uh, in person, which I'm, I'm thrilled about. Um, and uh, the, a lot, there's information on My Hope CC. We already have two of these booked in backyards. We are hosting one. The Zulkies are having a hymn sing. The Disselkamps are having a hymn sing in October. A first one is September 13th. So on September 13th, come on over to our house. Um, we're going to fill our backyard up, distanced from each other. And uh, we're going to sing. I'm, I'm excited uh, to have this opportunity to do this together. And I've been really excited. A lot of hard work from a lot of people getting the details together and we're excited to see you. So that's on the calendar on my hope CC. Um, also we'll be sending out lots of information about uh, where that is and, and what you need to do and how, how we can be safe in that together. But really excited about that. Excited that we can continue our mission together, gathering to worship on Sundays, but also gathering to worship um, outside of that on uh, the first one is on a Sunday afternoon. And, and after that, there'll be some other ones at different people's homes. I'm excited to, to check that out. So we're thrilled. I'm going to pray really quick as we move to time just to looking at Second Peter, but just to thank God that this even can happen and just even um, just thank God that he's good. Um, Lord, we thank you that you are really good, um, and that you love us and that even if we could never be in person, it's you're still good, but that you uh, have, have allowed this to work out and that uh, we get to just enjoy um, your creation with others and sing your praises. I pray you'd use that to not only bless us, but I pray too for those who might come to those neighbors, uh, friends, uh, someone we might invite uh, that could have an, an opportunity to hear your good news and to worship with us as well. You're really good to us. I, I praise you that you've given us technology and a church family that can do this together. Amen. Amen. All right. There will be uh, more info coming out about that. We're excited. As you can tell, I'm pretty pumped about that opportunity. And also for those who um, are, are not uh, able to come to that, um, whether schedule or, or uh, uh, unable to come just for health concerns or for other concerns, um, we love you and we're uh, want to help you still do that with us. So we're working right now. I think there's going to be a way we can even live stream those. So you'll be able to hop on Facebook um, and, and just listen and, and be a part of that as well, which would be really, really special.
We are in uh, the book of 2 Peter, continuing. We're still in chapter 1. We're going to finish chapter 1 today. Uh, we've heard Peter introduce himself as this messenger of Jesus, uh, a servant of Jesus, really hold Jesus up as king, the one who brings us power, our source for life and all things. And also last week he encouraged us to really think about what does it look like in our own efforts and not just Jesus is good and he's giving me a lot, but now what does it look like um, you know, to, to, to move forward in, in things like godliness and perseverance and loving one another well? So I'm excited as Peter's going to transition now to start talking specifically about the issues they're having in the church in Asia Minor where he is. And, and what comes up now is kind of their source. Uh, he's going to talk about their source of, of how, where they're getting their information from. That there's these false teachers there, and they're making claims about Peter uh, and, and his his entourage that they are making things up, or maybe they don't know the truths, and so they're making a different gospel up that is that is um, allowing them to do things that Peter would say are not in line with the gospel. We would agree, right, that aren't in line with Scripture because they're saying, "Oh no, no, no this is actually what's true, and this isn't what's true." It makes me think of. Where people at that point there was no Google, people couldn't search the Google, right? They couldn't go up and say, "Is this true about whatever?" Because you know, I don't believe the internet was invented at that point. And so um, it made me think, man, how crazy is that that we have even that that we can on my phone, on my computer, I can quick Google, type in anything, and oftentimes it fills it in for me. So I was curious, what are people? looking at what are people searching for what are they where are they looking uh well they're looking at at google it's by far the number one place people go they're looking at google for answers to all of life's questions and what's cool on google is you can look up whatever what people are searching for and so i i was curious and i thought oh i know exactly right it's gonna be corona coronavirus covid like uh, top right so i looked up top searches Words searched and topics that were searched for in the last 90 days, just 90 days. And uh, see if you can get, start thinking about it. What, what would you think would be the top searches in the last 90 days? Well, the, some of the top um, words that have been searched for in the last 90 days are things you might be aware of. Like George Floyd was one that was is a top one. Juneteenth is one. Uh, all the different presidential candidates and uh vice presidential candidates are names that have popped up uh names searched for are like father's day when is father's day what is father's day are some of the top searches man um one of my favorites one of my favorite top searches and top 25 searches is uh when do i get my second stimulus check followed by the next one on the list is when does ps5 come out and where's the nearest Dick's Sporting Goods? I want my check. I want a PS5, right? But here's topic-wise, top searches, and these are actually similar throughout the last 10 years have always still continued. This is interesting. Top search is weather. So people want to know what's the weather going to be like? What's the weather going to be? What's the weather tomorrow? That's number one in the last 90 days. Then the second most thing searched for on Google search, people type into Google search, is Google. They type the word Google, which takes them to the place they just were. I love that. Amazon, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, one of the top searches on Google is a domain name. So like the full domain, not searching for, I'm looking for new tires, but like tiresplus.com is one of the top ones. So it's interesting. I do that. I'll type in facebook.com, search for it then click it and think, oh, I could have just typed it in. This is interesting, right? Top 25, Texas, Florida, California are on there. People looking at, wondering what's going on in those states. Walmart and then Walmart Pharmacy is top. Number 22 on the top of the, of the list is coronavirus topics, which I was surprised by. I thought we would have been, that would have been top, top. That's all people want to know about. Maybe we know enough about that. Next one are topics about their dogs. House and house repair, schools, and then people typing in the word news and searching for it. 
Is that is that fast? It's a whole range of things. We got the NFL on here. We got MLB on here. List of these are the things people are thinking about, wondering about, want to know what's going on with them. We're searching, right? We're looking for the answers to things and um, what really is true. I think I often could go on a Google search, which leads me to another search, to another search, because I think, I don't know, is that really true? Or I'm looking for a search of, to just find someone who agrees with what I already want to, them to agree with. I think I search, hey, it's okay, right, to do this and do this and do this. And then someone somewhere has been like, yeah, you go for it. You slip and slide down mountains. That's totally cool to do, right? And then I can say, hey, I found an article that says it's okay to slip and slide down mountains. And so Peter is getting at this today. He's getting at, hey, we're, we're looking. We're looking. It's, this has not changed. We are looking for what is true and what is right and what can tell us what has happened, what is happening, what will happen. And Peter says, we have that. Um, let's be careful um, where we're looking for that. So we're going to hop right in here to, to, to 2 Peter. Um, verse 12, first chapter, we're going we're gonna to get after this. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now know. Think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon... Put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. He says, so I will always remember you of these things. What are these things? Well, he's referring back to just the few verses before. This is just a letter he wrote. So he's referring to the sentences before this. And he's re reminding us of this divine power that is given to us from Jesus. The, the, the Jesus that saves us and loves us, that, that empowers us, that gives us peace and joy and self-control because we know him. He just reminds us that this all comes from Jesus. And then right after that, because of Jesus and knowing him and his power, he's calling us to be people who have goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. And so... He says that God, Jesus, empowers us to do these things. He's really reminding us of the gospel. The basic, Jesus has saved us. We cling to him. And then as we cling to him, he changes our hearts. And our hearts become people who want to do the same things that Jesus does. That we love God. And out of that overflow from loving God, we can love other people. Peter then goes um, that's what he wants to remind us of. He's tr transitioning this letter now from just the intro of reminding us of the gospel to what's really important for these people that he's speaking to in Asia Minor. Um, these people who have been dealing with false teachers who are preaching a different gospel. He also mentions here, this is interesting. He says, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in, in the tent of this body. He's just referring to... Uh, that he's at the end of his days. He says even in verse 14, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus has made it clear to me. We don't know exactly how that worked. Did Jesus come actually in a dream or how that happened with Peter? But we know that Peter has uh, been in, knows Jesus, is in prayer. And we know from before Peter actually has had visions from God and that Jesus has somehow indicated to him, you're about to die. You're about to leave this, he says, tent of this body. Not that his body uh, is worthless, but that he's about to leave this for eternal. And an eternal uh, body and everything, you know, that's made right. And so he's saying, in a sense, not really even in a sense, he's saying, this is kind of his deathbed moment where he's saying, hey, I'm about to, be, I'm about to die. You got to hear this. This is so important. And in 15, I will make every effort to see that my departure will always be able to remember these things. I want you to remember, remember, remember these things. Um, I think this is important. As Before we move to the next verse, uh, I feel sometimes like we keep hearing the same thing. And I'm sure you feel that. Drew keeps saying the same thing about the gospel this and the gospel that and the good news. And Jesus and Jesus and Jesus. Follow Jesus. And I think I can find myself, and I'm sure 
you felt this pull to say, yeah, 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 yeah. I get the guy. I've heard the gospel. Jesus died. He loves us. He empowers us. But I'm dealing with this thing that's really hard right now. I don't need the gospel right now. I need you to tell me how to parent. And uh, Peter's remind. I think he knows that happens. And he's saying, we can't stop remembering this thing. Right before this, he reminded us the reason we aren't showing goodness and mutual love and perseverance is because we've forgotten that our sins were cleansed. We forgot the gospel. I, this reminds me of one of my all-time favorite um, all, all-time favorite Google reviews of, of our church. So our church had a um, Google, I don't have the Google review. It's Google. We, we all know Google, right? So there's a Google review that comes up on our church of one star. We, we review these sometimes just to see what they are. Or people write wild things. You know, you want to correct that. Sometimes they write things that aren't true. And so we go on there just to see. And uh, this is years ago. I went on and there's a one-star review. So I'm like, oh, I'm curious why there's one-star review. So a lot of times it's just a theological difference or we went and people weren't kind to us. Hopefully that doesn't ever happen. There's a one-star review and all it says is this. One star. If you want to hear the gospel every week, dot, 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 go to this church. One star. So I don't know what that means. They didn't know how the star system worked. That one actually means bad. Or if they're just like, I went for four weeks in a row and every week at the end they're like, you got to love Jesus. Um, and they're like, I'm done. That's all they talk about is the gospel. I took it as one of the best reviews ever. That should be the tagline for our church, Hope Community Church. We talk about the gospel every week. But I can feel, I understand that sense of like, I kept hearing about this and I wanted someone to just do uh, a sermon about like how to, you know, make my dog not bite stuff. You know, we want like, we want that thing to be solved, not really believing the gospel is the, the answer. Um, and so he's going to go on to, uh, to really push hard into this on us to say, what I'm saying is true, right? What I'm saying is true. And so let's get back to what Peter says here. He just, this is a transition. I was going to take this moment to say the words I'm telling you aren't just good advice. They're true and like the truth of truths. So he goes on. This is 2 Peter uh, verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory. Majestic glory is a way people... Um, would just say from the Lord. And uh, for a lot of Jews, they could, they wouldn't say the name God because um, he's so holy. They wanted to be really respectful of that. And so they wouldn't say, so there's different phrases they would use for God. And one phrase became majestic glory. The majestic glory became a phrase for God, which I think is really cool. Um, so he's saying a voice came from God saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We're going to get to this. When was that? When were you on a sacred mountain and you're hearing the majestic glory call, say something to Jesus? It's called the transfiguration. We're going to get there in a minute. But first, I want to start with this top part uh, in 16. He says, we did not follow cleverly devised stories. This word stories also could be myths. We did not follow myths when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus. So this is telling us a few things. People are accusing Peter and the apostles of telling myths uh, and also uh, specifically about the coming of Lord of our Lord Jesus, which in the people he's writing this to, one of the issues that they're having is that these uh, false teachers are saying, we don't really know if Jesus will return. I don't think there will be a day of judgment where Jesus will say, are you with me or not? He, that's not really a thing. And so there's no motivation in, for them to consider, do they really follow Jesus? For them, uh, it has become kind of good morals, good teaching. And so this word myth here isn't necessarily negative. It's just that myths aren't historically true, accurate things. They're just stories that can help us. 
They, they can give us good morals or lessons. They might even entertain us and allow us to enjoy the past or the future or maybe consider some, some interesting ideas about the future. Often myths can be all combined together for us to kind of make a, gather a buffet of worldviews and thoughts, kind of inspirational things. They're very common, always have been, will always be common. And in this time, they're often common about their gods. There's people don't necessarily even truly believe that these gods exist, but they love these stories of how the world works and how these myths work. And so they're saying, well, you guys just told your myths, your stories of how the world worked, and we're telling ours. And Peter's saying, we're not telling you fables for kids to learn lessons. We're telling you historical moments that happen, true realities that we lived, real historic realities of the universe, not just myths. That Jesus is king and that's real and happening. What a passage for me today. How many things am I pulling in trying to kind of create what the world looks like not knowing there's a reality to the world. Do I actually live in the reality that Jesus is? Okay, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's look at this thing Peter's talking about. This is a moment that happened, a historic moment that happened to Peter. Let's let's read. This is called the Transfiguration. This happens in Jesus' ministry. Jesus comes. He's born in a manger. He's a sweet little baby. And then he grows up. He's doing miracles. He's showing his power. He's showing his control that he is the Messiah that they've been waiting for. And he asks Peter who he is, and Peter confesses, he says. Uh, in the Gospels, we hear Peter say, yeah, you're the Messiah. You're it. We've seen it. We've experienced it. I'm with you. You're it. And after he confesses this, um, then this happens. It's really interesting. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, which is like the three of them are his, his closest uh, guys in his group. There are the disciples who sort of lead the group of disciples. And Peter, who is writing this letter that we're reading, Peter is telling us, I was there, and this is what happens. Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, they were led up high on a mountain by themselves with Jesus. It's Jesus and these, and these three men walk up a side of a mountain. There he was transfigured before him. He was changed it says what it looks like. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Jesus begins to glow. Not glow like a lantern, glow like explosion of light like the sun. They're standing next to the sun on a mountaintop all of a sudden. Jesus goes from doing miracles, people thinking he might be a prophet, Peter's saying, I think you are the Messiah, and I think you're the Messiah who's going to come to be king and, and overthrow the Romans and, and give us our, our freedom and kick out the bad people. And all of a sudden, he sees this man he's with glow, explode with light. Just then, there appeared, as this happens, Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. They're chatting with him. Elijah representing the prophets of the Old Testament, the ones who've been calling out that the Messiah would be coming, and Moses representing the law of the Old Testament, all, all that was given to, to um, Israel, to God's people, to know how to live, saying is it like all of the Old Testament has now talking, looking to Jesus. He has like, it's a, a moment of, of coronation of, him, of, of them seeing Jesus is king. So they're standing there in this light. Peter says to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us. To be here, yeah, no kidding, Peter. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. What he's doing there is, this is a, a common thing. They'd put up these booths, these shelters, which would become like a place of worship. While he was still speaking, I love this, while Peter is still explaining, I'm sure he's just, oh, what should I do? Let's put up some, some, sh some tents for you. While he's speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. <laughs> like God comes. I love it. This is called theophany is the word. Theophany. Kind of a big, I don't, not a word we often use, right? But it's, it's when God like manifests himself. When he becomes something visible 
or audible right then and there. So we have this cloud appears. They're on a mountain. Jesus is glowing. Peter is just rambling. And God says, stop, listen, listen to him. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. A phrase calling to say this is the prince or the king now of my kingdom. Then the disciples heard this. They fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Which Peter's doing in this letter to us. This, this is a wild moment. Can you imagine the mountain experience? Can you imagine Peter saying, Jesus saying, yeah, I'm the king. Not king I'm not just going to rule in Jerusalem on your throne that's made of stones and wood. And I am the king of all things. I'm glowing right here in your face. My face is glowing in your face. And they fall on their faces. So Peter says, hey, when we're talking about the realities, the historic realities of Jesus being king and ruling on his throne and him coming back someday, I know it's true. I was there and saw the first time he appeared as him. Like it's as if Jesus took off his cloak and we saw all of, or at least more of Jesus in his glory that he had to kind of hold back because it would have blown everyone away, right? He experienced this moment and being there is and seeing that he can, he can affirm those things in who Jesus was. It, it makes me think of something that we've recently found in our house, a yearbook. This is Kelly's yearbook, my wife, from 1999, I think. This graphic is a little confusing, but from 1999, it was her senior year. I can flip through this yearbook all day. I, and I like it because it's really funny to see as if my yearbook doesn't look funny. And uh, I can see the senior pictures. Anyone want to see Kelly's senior picture real quick? All right. That's enough. I only got permission for one second of senior picture being shown. Um, and I can look through here and see all this stuff that's happening, the different re the wrestling team and the dance team. I can make a lot of assumptions about what was happening. Oh, my goodness. In Sioux Center, Iowa in 1999, here's the things that were going on. Here's the funny things. Here's the weird things. Why were you doing that? That was silly. But when I talk to Kelly, she explains the stories of these. I can show a picture in here and she says, oh, that was that person and that person. And this was happening. And oh, my goodness. And then in this funny, it's funny, this picture, because they actually weren't friends later. And all of this, right, this whole story and experience come out of it. I could just assume things and just say, oh, this is interesting. That's cool. But Kelly has experienced it. This represents a, t a period of time that has rich, rich historical reality for Kelly, right? That I don't I don't totally understand until I talk to her and then she tells me the stories. And as if I meet these people at a class reunion a few years ago and I think, oh, my, you're the guy who did the thing and I probably shouldn't bring this up, but this is the guy, right, who did the thing. It, it, it's this amazing thing that happens and that's what Peter's saying here. You're talking about Jesus as king as if he's dead again. And he's not coming back. He's coming back. I saw him in his glory as king, and he is not stepping down from that throne. He is still king. Peter was there. His first argument for this is true, the gospel I'm telling you is true, is that I was there, I've experienced it, and I'm telling you firsthand, this is true. This is a true, real thing. And then he goes on. As we, as we get to the last part of our passage here. He says, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And if you do well to pay attention to it, as it is a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origins in the human will. The prophets through humans spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. He is saying the second thing that we know is that for hundreds 
of years, thousands of years, God gave prophets, people who could speak for on his behalf, the ability to speak on his behalf. And we have that. He's talking here about scripture. He's talking about the Old Testament because he's writing the New Testament. And so he's talking about we have this prophecy that speaks to these things. He goes way back to say, not only did I experience this with Jesus, but we have a history of many who spoke of who God was and of who Jesus was going to be. These prophets told us that Jesus was coming. We have these prophetic messages, something completely reliable, and you do well to pay attention to it. You should look at these. Don't just listen to these people who are interpreting, I think this is kind of how stuff is going, and it's okay to sin in this way because actually these things aren't true. He's saying we have this, we have the word of God, and it's reliable. And how do we know it's reliable? Well, it's been a light to us in a dark place. He says this actually will be our light until the, the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. That's referring to the day. This phrase, the, the day dawns, is actually a, a, the day, like the day when Jesus returns. This is what we have, this reliable source until the day dawn when Jesus returns. And the morning star, which is a phrase for Jesus, the morning star rises in your hearts. So when Jesus returns, we'll have him. But until then, we have this great source. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came. So he's saying, we have this thing, and, and we got to be careful. Because when you look at Scripture, this isn't just a book written by a bunch of people who had interesting thoughts on things, and we put them together in like an interesting self-help book that guides us and inspires us. This is a book that was given to us by God. In fact, there's a theologian named Gene Green. I love, I love that name. He says, uh, when, when, you, when asked about how does he explain that, how Scripture works, he, he references this passage in 2 Peter. He references that for prophecy never had, in verse 21, for prophecy never had its origins in human will, but prophets through humans spoke through God as they carried along by the Holy Spirit. How, how does it work that Scripture is written? How is the Bible inspired? Why is it different than just a book that would be interesting or helpful? He says, Scripture, uh, the prophets in Scripture uh, function like this. He said, the prophets are like sailboats and they raise up their sails and the Holy Spirit fills them and carries them along in the direction that he wishes. You love that combination of those two? The prophets are like sails, sailboats. They lift their sails and the Holy Spirit fills them and carries them where God wants them. And so when Peter here is encouraging us in that he was there and saw Jesus. He is king. He is king of all. And that we have the scriptures to back that up, to, to, to tell us and remind us that, that Jesus is who he is. And that these are written by people, but they are like people with sails who are blown by the Holy Spirit in their direction. They're written by people in their own time, in their own style, in their own context which is important for us to understand, but inspired by God. Not inspired like I watched Back to the Future as a kid and I want to be a scientist, but these are like breathed, the life of these people is breathed into by God and they write these things. I, I want to take one second to stop and look and think about that a little bit here as we are ending our, our passage. I think this is really important for all of us to consider where you land on this. Because scripture is written by people, but inspired by God, he breathes life into it. And we can tend to lean, you know, one way or the other. So maybe just on, the, on a certain topic we do or in a certain moment of life. And so we can tend to be people who lean into God inspired this. It's just purely God's literal word. Whatever you mean by literal, you know, that it's like everything in it is exactly just God, people had no part of it. Not, not taking in the context or the time or the people it was written to, just saying I'm going to read a passage and that's exactly for me today. Thinking that God wrote every word exactly um, how it was for all people all time. Not, not considering the context of the time, right? So really heavily into like whatever it says. So for instance, we might read a passage that says women should wear head coverings, which we see in scripture. And they should be silent. And so then we say, it says 
women should wear head coverings and be silent. And now we say, women in our church wear hats and stop talking. Right? Instead of being aware of the context or even what the principle was behind that, that, that was talking to certain people at a certain time and there's a principle behind that that's helpful, but it's not... It's not just telling us exactly what, right? So we, we got to be careful with Scripture. Or we could see a command in Scripture in Ephesians that says slaves should obey their masters. And we and we start saying, okay, hey, it doesn't say slavery is bad. So historically, people could use that passage to say slaves are okay and they should obey their masters. And that passage is used because they say, God wrote this so it can't be wrong. Yeah, yeah, God wrote that. He inspired those writers to write that. But let's understand the context and the time and the people who wrote it. There's a balance there, right? We lean way one way and, and we can say, we know the facts. These are the facts. This is how it is. We're not going to get into the experience or the person that's there. We also then can lean, which way am I leaning? This way. We can lean the other way, right? Where we can say, I think this happens culturally a lot more than the other way. This happens maybe people in the church who have been in the church a while, but generally we see the other way where people lean heavily to the author and ignore this significantly or they significantly reduce God's inspiration, his breath in it. When we're faced with a passage that doesn't line up with our culture or my own desires, what I want, I can discount the passage and say, well, the author wasn't right about that. Or the author lived in a different time, a different place. That was okay then, or that wasn't okay. Or you know what? That author uh, is wrong. So I now get to take scripture and I get to peel out the parts of it that I don't like. I get to change it and say, ah, that doesn't feel right. I live in a culture where feeling is really important. That doesn't feel right, so it must not be right. We could read how God has created us for a certain sexual ethic in a way that how we honor people in that. And we could dismiss it and say, well, that's a barbarian, ancient, cultural thing. Or that person's a prude or that person is wrong. So I can ignore those passages because they don't fit. Because we lean heavily into just the understanding the person who wrote it and discounting it to God must not have been part of this part of it. We could become a lot better or even put uh, equality with things we're reading currently in articles, right? Or a topic that we did a deep internet search on something and we spent many hours figuring it out. And now we can say, well, scripture comes here and these things come here and let's kind of figure out how to, we start putting the word of God as if it's just a whole bunch of articles from an internet search. And often they might feel outdated or inconclusive or they don't have all the facts of a well-researched study. If I, if I read a book on parenting, I could say this has a lot more about parenting in it than the Bible does. Because the Bible wasn't written as a book for parenting, right? We have to understand that there was a time and place it was written and a people and understand that and understand that God uh, is teaching us and in this balance of those two. So it's, it's one of those things for me, I often have to think, which way am I reading into this? Am I feeling pressure to go one way or the other? Am I actually understanding that there's people God created and he's blowing into their sails and directing them and there's this combination? It, it takes work. This is why we have small groups. This is why we have friends. This is why you study scripture with other people so you can say something and they say, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I think... God is saying something here. Um, or I, let's be careful. There is a person who wrote this for a certain time. And what, were they, what do they mean to those people in that time? Scripture may not have the answers for um, how our school should have distant learning. But it does have the answer to where we can put our hope. And where we can look to for how things will turn out someday. And that King Jesus will return and then a week eight of distant learning in my house when I'm feeling insane and like I don't know what's going on and I'd like somebody to take my kids and teach them, I still can have my hope in Jesus, right? The, the scripture might not specifically give me a scientific study on whether or how I should be wearing a mask, right? Or if my dog can get corona or if I should let people pet my dog or, or where I should go, when I should go. Is Target okay to go to right now? But it does give me a compassionate call to love my neighbors and to find peace in Jesus, the peacemaker. It gives us the deep underlying real answers, historically real accurate answers 
that can then inform the other questions I'm asking. Last, I mean, for me, scripture doesn't give me a diet plan, right? Just talking recently to a friend about this, but it does instruct us on how to fight idolatry, how to understand that I can worship food as a motivator and as an escape and can give me people who will fight alongside me so that food doesn't become my savior, but Jesus is. All right, as, as, as we wrap up, I want us to consider um, where scripture has a place in your life. Are you looking to these apostles and disciples who wrote down what they experienced with Jesus and they have given us everything we need here in scripture? And I want you to imagine the moment that Peter was on the mountain as, we've, as we finish here. We're about to take communion in a moment, so I encourage you to grab communion supplies um, and we're going to pray. So if you want to start posting your prayers um, in the comments here, we're going to pray and take communion to end our service. But I want you, as we move into that time of communion, I want you to consider uh, Peter in that moment. Could you picture him on the mountain sitting there as Jesus glows, as his glory is shown, as he shows off being king of kings, true and trustworthy, a real moment. Can you imagine Peter growing up, being a good Jewish kid who knew his Bible, who knew his Old Testament, and the flood of prophecies, hundreds that came in to his heart and mind in that moment as he sees Jesus and goes, you are the one we've all been talking about for years. Thousands of years we've been talking. 700 years ago, Isaiah wrote about you. And this, I'm here with you. All that from the prophecies in scripture to that moment he experiences, can you imagine what he experiences and can you imagine what he's thinking? He's remembering Genesis 12, 3. All people on earth will be blessed through you talking to Abraham and his descendants. And then Jesus, he goes, this Jesus is one of those descendants. This is the one they were talking about in Genesis. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. You will call my man. You will say, Mary, who gave birth to Jesus. He is the one who came to save us. So long ago they spoke of him. And this is the one... In Micah 5 2, but you, Bethlehem, through uh, you are small, though you are small in the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, the one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are of old. Bethlehem will give birth to the child who will save the world. And then he remembers Isaiah 40, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the wilderness the highway of our guys. Remember, John the Baptist is saying those exact words that were spoke hundreds of years ago about Jesus. And he's remembering the flood of, of more words from Isaiah. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. He's remember the moments him standing with Jesus and Jesus healing people. They're being able to talk again and hear again and see again. This is the one that they've all been talking about. This is an insane. This is miraculous that they spoke of this one and he is actually here now. Rejoice greatly. O daughter of Zion, shout, daughter of Israel, see your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. Moments after this, days after this, he's going to get to see Jesus ride into town on a donkey. And, he, and the flood of that prophecy, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, Jesus saying that psalm, realizing that Psalm 22 was written and Jesus himself is the one who's suffering. Later in Psalm 22, they divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing, which happens to Jesus on the cross. We see these prophecies come true over and over and over and over and know that scripture is true. And I'm going to leave us um, in Isaiah 53. I have to imagine Peter laid there with James and John and Psalm 53 washed over them. This is the one they've been talking about. This scripture is true as they remember Psalm 53. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. 
Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was punished. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his sword, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the inequity of all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. You, you imagine Peter seeing the transfiguration and then, then not long after this, standing in front of a cross, seeing Jesus on a hill, crucified. All of this, he is this one that scripture has promised. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before his shears is silent, he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. For our transgressions, our sin, Jesus was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had not done no though though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And then the Lord makes his life an offering for sin. He will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper his hand. And as he wraps up, as he has suffered, he will see the light of life and, and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. He will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. He will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life until death and was numbered to the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession of the transgressors. You met Peter's writing to us saying, do you see over and over and over scripture was written and all of it came true? This word is trustworthy. And I experienced that. Please, he's begging us on his deathbed, please look to the word of God that's been given to you. To the experience of the disciples and the apostles, Jesus is real and true and he is on his throne and he's coming back. And that's really good news. Good news for us to live by each day. The news that we can go to each day and be reminded of what is true and right. Which is very good news. Amen.